What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to another episode of the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to be talking with Jacoby Shaddix, founding member, vocalist, and songwriter of the band Papa Roach. Papa Roach has been making great music for over 25 years, with over 30 million albums sold and a ton of hit records, including my favorite Papa Roach song, Last Resort. And they have an album coming out that you can pre-order, Greatest Hits Volume 2, The Better Noise Years. Now, at Hardcore Humanism, our goal is to help you apply some of the core principles of humanistic psychology so that you can break through the barriers that you face in your life, find your purpose, and work hard to achieve it. And in doing so, we can build our mental, physical, and spiritual health by leading a purpose-driven life. And Jacoby is going to be talking about one of the most difficult issues that interferes with our leading a purpose-driven life, which is mental illness. And in particular, Jacoby is going to talk about the role that acceptance and forgiveness play in both managing depression and addressing lapses in recovery from substance use. The concept of acceptance and forgiveness is critical to the hardcore humanism approach because as we dedicate ourselves to a purpose-driven life, we face barriers all along the way. And as we struggle to break through these barriers on our journey, we need to be respectful of ourselves and acknowledge how difficult that struggle can be. We must remember that we don't lose our humanity just because we struggle and fail at times. This concept is what humanistic psychologists refer to as unconditional positive regard, where we don't think of people as less human or less worthy of respect and support during difficult times. In fact, at Hardcore Humanism, we believe that it's in those moments that we need to be the most kind, the most empathic, the most accepting and forgiving to ourselves to honor our own struggle as we build a purpose-driven life. So Jacoby is going to explain how he was able to be accepting and forgiving as he struggled and what he did to overcome the barriers that he faced to reconnect with his purpose. So let's hear what Jacoby has to say. All right, so let's get let's get right down to it. Um, people throw around the terms acceptance and forgiveness a lot. And, you know, we've talked before, you've been through a lot in terms of depression, addiction, dealing with family stuff. And these are concepts that you've really had to think about and put to use. So let's just start with how do you understand those terms and and are they relevant to, you know, your ongoing life and recovery? Well, most definitely acceptance and forgiveness are big parts of my recovery um, and big parts of my, my growth as an individual just as a, as a husband, as a, as a human, as a father, as a spiritual being, acceptance for me has been something that I've kind of wrestled with in a, in a way because, you know, I've been told like acceptance is the answer to all your problems. And I'm like, well, I hear what you're saying, but if there's, if I have to accept everything the way that it is, I just don't feel like that's, it just doesn't connect with me in a sense. I feel like I'm like, there's things that I, that I can change you know, and that I don't have to, to deal with. I have the power to, to change things in my life. And then there's things that I can't change. And sometimes I got to just accept that that's the way that those things are and move on. And, uh, cause if I sit and I guess dwell in the space of trying to change something I can't and, and have power over things that I don't have power over, then I'm just spinning my wheels. And that, that could be a real, you know, slippery spot for me. But I, uh, I've found that sometimes when I just let things be the way that they are at the, at the moment that they are, 
there's freedom in that as well. And just going, you know what, that's going to, that noise is over there and, and I can't change that. And so I'm just going to focus on my task at hand, you know, what's right in front of me. And, you know, I, there's a lot of noise. <laughs> there's so much damn noise. And I've had to change, you know, I was say like on my phone, right. I'm scrolling on my phone and I'm on social media and just the noise that's in that space. And I'm just, it's getting me wound up and I'm just like, uh, and then I'm, you know, it was like, I would first thing in the morning, I would grab my phone. Right. And I would just start scrolling and I would just see all this madness and these people yelling at each other and all this debate. And, ah, everything was so hot and just tense. And, and I was like, well, I can't fucking change. I want to do something to change people, but I only have the power to change myself. So I was like, I deleted the apps off my phone and just, I'm, t I'm taking a break right now from social media because I'm like, that's a form of of acceptance is that I can't, you know, go ahead and change the world, you know, everybody outside myself and just have some peace. And so I chose, I guess, uh, peace over trying to solve the world's problems through social media. Um, but yeah, acceptance is a is a is a big part of of my recovery and wrestling with acceptance is a big part of my recovery. So I got a lot to learn, a lot to grow, you know, straight up. I do. Yeah. One of the things that I always have trouble with, especially when I'm working with people, is that the, the term acceptance almost implies at times that you accept something as okay. Or like you were saying, like you accept something as the final answer, as opposed to maybe just kind of saying, well, I, I, I accept that this is my best understanding of, of whatever this thing is here that we're talking about. But I, I don't have to say anything beyond that. Like, I don't have to say it's okay. I don't have to say it's the final answer. Yeah. I don't have to decide whether or not I get involved with it. I just, I just want to start with, you know, so for example, it's like, okay, like, like I want to drink right now to accept that I am, I have a craving. You don't have to say that's okay. You don't have to say, therefore I'm going to do something. You just, you just have to kind of say, all right, let me, let me just accept that that's where I'm at, as opposed to what a lot of people do is they try to avoid that. And then that, that gets them all twisted up and turned around backwards. You know, I, uh, I get that man. And for me, just to, just to be straight with you, I, uh, during the pandemic, I fell off the wagon and I was smoking, smoking pot. And, uh, I was just, you know, I just got caught up and depressed, you know, depressed and just stuck in this space. And, I wasn't uh, working an active program of recovery and I found myself with a joint in my mouth, you know, and yeah, it's legal in California. And yes, it is medicine to some people, but it's not to me. Anytime I put any kind of mind altering substance in my, in my body, there's like this veil that gets dropped on me and just kind of like isolates me from, from the world. It isolates me from the potential of who I can become and puts me in a space of inaction and that's not a that's not a good place for me to be and so i uh i got honest with my brothers in recovery i was like hey man that's what i've been up to i need help dude i need it i need i need help getting myself back out of this because i knew i was getting closer you know i told my guys well at least i didn't drink you know and they're like well yeah that's that's good that is good cope but you were headed straight towards it homie like that's where you were going and, uh, that was a, that was a, 
a really hard realization, but a good realization for me to have is to really understand, like, I was feeding the bad wolf, you know, I was just doing, I was doing the wrong, you know, just doing the wrong things. And uh, on the 19th of this month, in a couple of days, it'd be like nine years since I drank alcohol. Um, that's not, that's not my sobriety date that I hold. Um, but it is, uh, it's nine years for me in two days. And that's like, I'm fucking proud of that, you know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it really is, man. It, it's, a it's given me a, an opportunity to just try to become fully human because I was straight subhuman as, as an alcoholic, as a drinker. And, and it was just, it was, it was real messy. So just to, just to be straight with you, you know, and so I got a new sobriety date and it's, I'm okay with that. I, I wanted to be like, yeah, but can I just like keep my, my alcoholic birthday, you know? And, and I just, I just, my ego, this wrestling with my ego and my pride. I, uh, I let that date go when it comes to my program of recovery. Um, but you know, when I'm at home with my wife and we're like high five, nine years, like that's a big deal for us, you know? Oh, it's a huge deal. And it's like, you know, you're talking about the bad wolf and it's like the bad wolf fucking plays chess. It does not uh-huh. play checkers. It is 12 moves ahead. Oh, you yeah. know, and whenever I'm working with people, I'm always like, look, your body and your mind are not just going to be like, Hey, have a drink. Cause they know you're going to smack that away. If you look at a wolf in the wild, they don't just like run up to something, you know, and just, Oh, I'm going to eat it. Like you do, you see, they're watching it for a while. They're like testing it. They're, they're, they're doing a few like maneuvers to see how it reacts. And then, then maybe they go in. That's what's brutal about addiction. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> and I find myself being a checker player and not a chess player sometimes, you know, and I just, I got caught out there and, you know, it is what it is. I think also for me, you know, another thing with social media was, you know, I was following these different um, musicians and, and rock star fellas. And, you know, there, there's a way that we can, in our active using and whatever, like we can romanticize those things. And so I saw them like living their party life and doing that thing. And, and it looked romantic to me. And I was like, I started to find myself like, well, fuck, like what, what's wrong with me? Like I'm supposed to be a rock star, you know, and, and this is, this looks enticing to me. And so I had to straight unfollow some people just because it was like, not jealousy, but this me looking back at like, well, maybe I could have done it like this. That's that wolf, you know, just preying on me. And and that's the thing with, with pot in particular, you know, the problem with smoking pot is that there's no problem with smoking pot, you know, yeah. like, you know, like in quarantine now with the pandemic, I, th- I see a lot of people turning to that versus alcohol because alcohol yeah. pretty quickly creates a problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even, even if you're not addicted to it, alcohol is something that is very tough, you know, but pot just kind of, kind of slips in there. You know, yeah. and it's, and it's like, and, and nothing, and nothing necessarily happens right away. It's only like, like you say, a few years down the road yeah. that you're sort of like, oh man, like, I actually don't know how to tolerate boredom. Why is that? Because yeah. all those hours, like at the end of the day, when you would have been like tolerating being bored or being tired or being lonely or whatever it is, yeah. you're high, but, but, it, but nothing bad happens right away. But yeah. it's just like you said, that veil. You know, and it's, it's so hard. I'm, I'm, even though, even though you had the, the laps, I'm, I'm so psyched for you that you pulled back from that because oh, it's, hell yeah. it's so hard to get over either of those things. But, but pot in a way is almost more, is more subtle. 
because it's hard to see it immediately. Yeah, definitely. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I just, it's that thing that just kind of was like accepted in my household, you know, but, but inside myself, it bothered me, you know, I would pick up and I would do it and it bothered me. It really did. And, but I would pick up again and then I would, and it was just this repeating cycle. And it was, I, I was isolated from my brothers in recovery. And those are the dudes that really know me. You know, those are the guys that know me through and through, you know, when we talk about everything, we get down to the nitty gritty of it all. It's a, uh, I missed, I missed those guys, man. I was like, I got back going to my, to my meetings of recovery and whatnot. And it was just it's like, oh, I'm with my people again, you know, where can, we can work on these things. And, you know, that was one of the things I, I uh, one of my friends in recovery was talking to me about was acceptance. And he's like, Hey man, like you don't always have to accept everything the way that it is. You know, there's things that you can change about scenarios, whether it's your proximity to certain people or the way that you interact with certain people and and the result that you get. Like you can change those things, man. There's like you have power and that balance of power is definitely a slippery slope, too, because it's like, I have the power on me, man. Like, I know that I'm not, you know. And then also, you know, forgiveness has been a, a really powerful tool in the things that I've learned in my recovery, you know, cause I just like carrying around resentment and that kind of stuff. is just, it's like a heavy weight, you know, it's like this backpack full of shit that you got and you're just lugging it around. And, and that's just painful. It was like, it's like pray for your enemies. Right. And, and I've been doing that a lot, a lot lately. That's counterintuitive to who I am as an individual you know, is, is to pray for my quote enemy or my enemies or the people that I feel like have done me wrong or whatever. You know, when we were in the studio writing our new record, I wrote a song based around forgiveness and, you know, a song's called no apologies. And it's, it's a song to my father and, you know, we've got a broken relationship and, you know, he was absent from my life for a majority of my life. And I just wanted to say to him, you know, you don't have to say you're sorry to me. I, I like, I understand why you are the way you are and, and what you went through. And I'm, I just, I have no time to carry any kind of resentment or hatred or, you know, anger against him. Cause it's just, there's no, there's no freedom in it, man. I just, I want to be free, bro. And, uh, it was a really, it was a really powerful song while we were in the studio writing that. You know, and my producer, he totally identified with this track. I have two producers. One of my producers really identified with it. And then, you know, it's like some other dudes in the band, we've been through that kind of stuff together, you know. And so to to be grown men and writing songs about our emotions of who we are when we were young men and and filtering that through our maturity now, it's it's a powerful thing. You know, and even though I just I did it in song and I was able to after we wrote the song, I called my dad up. I tracked him down. It took me, it took me about a week to catch up with him and find him. But I just, I wanted to just let him know, like in my own words, like, Hey, I hold no resentment against you. I love, matter of fact, I love you no matter what period straight up. Like that's the deal. And, uh, although we are, you know, not very, we're not large parts of each other's lives. Like I understand the, the, the cards that he was dealt. And I understand that those are like, it seems like when I look at him, I'm like, fuck, that's overwhelming. The things that he had been through, it just, it made for kind of a disastrous family situation. And, and, and I understand it, 
And uh, it was a really, really healthy conversation uh, with my dad. A lot of laughs, a couple of tears. And uh, I stand on the other side of that moment of forgiveness in my life and feel like just a better man, you know? Yeah, you know, I, there's a bunch of stuff you said there that I want to I want to circle back to. And and but the first thing that I want to just just touch on is that idea of how you approached forgiveness. And 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 I think this is similar with acceptance. This is I think a mistake a lot of people make. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay that you did that. Getting into that is a is is not I think a healthy realm for forgiveness. Forgiveness is simply saying I'm dropping the resentment that I have yeah. like it like it was alone. You know what I mean? I'm I, I, this is a tox this is like a toxic thing to me so I'm dropping this and so that I don't have to carry it around. I'm not saying what you did is okay because when you when you link those two things together it's so tough to then drop any kind of resentment because a lot of times when people did stuff it's not okay. It'll never be okay. Yeah, you know, and 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 you don't even have the time to or the energy to necessarily get in someone's head and are they really sorry? That's that's a whole that that's something you could pursue separately. But that first thing of I am dropping this for me, and you're talking about with your with your dad, it's like that then opens up a whole range of kinds of interactions that it wouldn't that wouldn't be opened if you said, yeah, the goal here is to tell you it's okay. That that's that's too much of a haul. I uh, in the con- within the conversation. He uh, he opened up to me about some some of the stuff he had went through in in Vietnam, and he he didn't really talk to anybody about this kind of stuff. Just the fucking raw horrors that he witnessed and experienced and was part of was just like that to make any man lose his shit, you know. And and there was this understanding of of my dad that I didn't have before. Um, through those conversations. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying when you're talking about, you know, I forgive you for this, but do I accept, do I accept the, this, you know, what had happened or is it I'm letting go of this shit that I'm carrying around? That's a tough one because when you, like you were saying, when you link those two things together and it's like, when you're forgiving somebody and you just say, it's okay for what they did, it's like, what is it? Where does that put you as an individual? Does it make you feel, am I lowering myself, you know, to go, okay, cool. Well, that's, I, I'm the punching bag and it's okay to be the punching bag. No, that's not okay. And so that's, that's good wisdom right there, bro. For real. No, I appreciate it. You know, and this thing you said about the love, I'm thinking about how you described the, the, your, your friends of recovery and getting back to that acceptance idea. And it's like, the thing is to to be able to go into a room full of people, and I, and I, you know, based on what you're talking about with your dad, it's almost like there may have been a, a little bit of kinship there. It's like, you know, like, and who accepts the fact that, like, look, you can see me, you can see all these parts of me. I don't have to hide anything. Again, it's not saying it's okay. People are are, are not saying it's it's okay in the sense that it's good that you smoked. It's saying that, like, look, we we accept that this is where you're at, and there's there's something that's so fundamentally powerful, and and unfortunately rare about being to go, able to go into any situation and just be fully you, warts and all, and yeah. that that to me is is such the I, I mean I I can't say definitively like what's the power of recovery, but that to me is one of the most powerful things about a recovery program to be in a room full of people where you don't have to hide, 
after you spent your whole life hiding because addiction is by definition almost all about hiding oh yeah absolutely man it was like when i went back in you know to the rooms of recovery and it was just like this weight i had been carrying and and all my homies just like dude we just missed you man we're glad you're back dude so good to see you and uh it's it's funny the way that you know this weight that i will carry around and this guilt and shame and and then i realized like my friend my homies just missed me they were just wanted to see how i was doing and and help me recovery from recover from this uh this seeming insanity that i carry around with myself and uh there's a saying says we don't shoot our wounded you know and and that's like when people go out and they're you know, living their life on their will and their terms. And, you know, when they decide to come back into the rooms of recovery, it's like, welcome back. And fucking, and it's funny too, because, you know, we'll sit in a, in a meeting and uh, we'll talk about, you know, what's going on in our minds or what's going on in, on in our heads. And it's like, if you maybe just sat down at a table with a bunch of regular people and talk like that, they might look at you like, but in in a meeting of recovery, it's like we'll chuckle at that stuff. We'll laugh at it. It's like because we've been there, you know. I've been in that place of just isolation, desperation, brokenness, and I understand it. But somehow we find some humor in it sometimes. The idea that being like a hardcore person. And and dealing with difficulties are not they're they're not conflicting. That's part of the same thing, and we mm-hmm. see it in certain situations, and we have empathy for it in certain situations. You know, we love the idea of somebody who's you know working on a shoulder injury to get back into sports, or like something like that. And like, mm-hmm. we, and, and people know about it and they support it. But somehow, when it comes to to mental health stuff, it's more like, oh, you're either in that hardcore place or you're out of it. And, and once you get better, quote unquote, you can come back into it and it's like, all right, man, let's, let's get back going again. It's like, no, no, no. There's a whole bunch of things that happened that got you to that place to recover that need to stay, that need to be respected as part of that hardcore process, not as, as a sign of weakness from that. Yeah, I will say um, I'm very fortunate in, it was in December when I put the weed back down and I was supposed to go back into the studio and go write and record for like three weeks in the beginning of December. And I, and I just called my team, my band. I'm like, guys, I'm just, I'm struggling, man. Like mentally, I am so whacked out. I'm kind of in a depress. I'm in a depression again. And I just need to take some time for myself and really focus on my recovery, my eating habits my my daily routines like i just feel spun out like i feel like i'm just losing i'm out of control you know and and my guys they were like we totally get it dude we totally understand because i was like i told my mom i can't just i right now i'm not the jacoby that that you guys uh want to show up to be there i'm not that guy right now like i need i need help i need to do the work i need to recalibrate and reassess and get some physical fitness, some, uh, you know, balance that spirit, body and mind, get some, get some spiritual fitness in my life, physical fitness, eating right and, and, and putting all those things together again. And, uh, 
they understood. They got it. They, but in my head, I'm going, uh, they're going to be so pissed at me that I'm going to, I'm going to not, you know, I'm going to knock out these sessions and just, they're going to fucking hate me. And you know, it's all the, all the negative self-talk that goes on in, in, in my head sometimes. And I caught, made the call and everybody's like, dude, we totally get it, man. Like you got to take care of yourself, dude. We understand that. It's almost like what I'm hearing you saying is that those guys got the fact that these are not two separate things. These are just two sides of the same coin. If you tell us you need, you need this side for now, that's cool. You're the same person to us. In fact, I bet you they actually appreciated you saying something about it because they probably know that you're going to get back to feeling more like, oh, okay, I'm up for this. Yep. I go in that route. Yeah. We've kind of been through it a few times over, you know, it's been, it's, it's just, you know, my mental health issues are, are something that are a life will be a lifelong, uh, not battle, but just something that I, I deal with, that I live with, that I understand, that I become, come to a place of more understanding. And when I start to get a little bit sideways, it's like, all right, cool. How do I get it back, get the train back on the track? And, you know, I got a new routine. I developed a new routine and I've been doing that regularly. I, well, I wake up and I, first thing I do is I pray. I don't, I don't pick up my phone. I don't do anything. I just go straight to this routine. And, uh, you know, and then I, then I read a little book, you know, a little one page kind of daily reader type thing. And then I'll, I'll write three pages of whatever is in my head. And then I've been doing this, I've been meditating and doing this breath work and meditation. And, uh, I'm like 76 days into doing that every day. And I'm getting a result it's rad, man. This meditation in particular, the meditation thing, it's like, I look forward to that part every day. And that's, that's been a really awesome experience for me. Yeah. And one of the things you said earlier on, and I want to bring it back to the, the routine you're just talking about is that, is that concept of love because, because I have found that for, at least this is for me personally, it's much easier for me to simplify my life into loving and being loved and just being like, like those are the, those are the two things. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm doing something, am I putting love into it? Yeah. You know, am I, am I putting, am I putting like, you know, love into my family, into my work, into, into the things that I enjoy, my friends. And, and am I open to getting it back? And if mm-hmm. there's something that's bothering me, just sort of saying, all right, let me just shift away from that. You know? And sometimes, you know, like part of love is being honest with someone like, Hey, this is what would help you know, things work better between us and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and when you, when I look at it from that perspective, it's so much more simple. Hate is a very natural emotion for me. I don't know why, I don't know where I get it from, but like, I can feel it boiling. Like my, you know, my wife, you know, says I'll, I'll get like shaky mad. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just, somehow it's there and man, it's so, it's, it's the same thing. It's like such a weight. You know what I mean? It's like that resentment. It's such a weight to carry around. It's so much more simple and easier and it feels so much better to focus on that love. And that's what I'm hearing with your routine. You know, you're oh, putting yeah. love into those things and, and it's just like, oh, that's simple. That, 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 that feels good. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it feels good to be back in a space of some self-care, you know, and uh, approaching life with an open, willing heart and mind. You know, I sound kind of like hippy dippy when I say those things, but it's, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to get in touch with some, some, some peace and freedom in my life. And, you know, I, I am, and I've been in touch with it for, for some time, you know, it's just, 
when I rest on my laurels, I just start to, you know, fall off onto the, into the old habits and routines. And, and it's just a constant, I guess, recalibration, you know, and uh, I can't go on autopilot because if I go on autopilot, then I'm just like, so it's today's a good day. You know, I'm just trying to approach it with some, with some hope and some faith, you know, I do indeed. I mean, Jacoby, it's, it's, as always, it's been great talking with you. I'm glad I get a chance to talk with you every few years and see how you're doing. It's always inspirational, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, dude, thanks. And I appreciate you having me, man. It's good to chat with you again, dude. And it's, I know that the other times we've been on the phone, so this Zoom thing's kind of cool, dude. It's nice to see your face, brother. <laughs> I know, this is way cooler. Next time we'll do it in the dark and dingy basement. Exactly. Hell yeah. So there you have it, Jacoby Shaddix talking about how he was able to approach coping with depression and addiction. Now, there's a lot to take away from the conversation with Jacoby, but I just want to highlight a couple of points. The first was that when Jacoby faced the barrier of depression and addiction, he approached it with kindness, acceptance, and forgiveness towards himself. And I can't stress enough how crucial it is that when we face struggles, we utilize that humanistic approach of being open and accepting towards our difficulties. Utilizing this humanistic approach, we can be more curious rather than critical of our struggles. In our discussion, Jacoby described how he was able to keep focus on his purpose-driven life, which included his relationship with family, his brothers in recovery, his band, and his music. And once he was able to approach his depression and addiction with kindness rather than judgment and criticism, he was able to then take the next action steps that he needed to take care of himself during this tough time. And notice how Jacoby was open and honest with his bandmates, letting them know he needed some time to take care of himself. And he committed to a self-care routine that included prayer, reading, writing, and meditation to help him stabilize. And at Hardcore Humanism, we really support Jacoby's approach, using that kindness, that reaffirmation of his worth and humanity to overcome his barriers, connect to his purpose, and work hard to achieve the mental, physical, and spiritual health he needed to be his best self. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for producing this podcast, and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear in the podcast, go to our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism therapy and coaching program at hardcorehumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.